and welcome to the Under Pressure Podcast. As always, I'm joined by Jake Barker, but for the first time ever on the Under Pressure Podcast, we're doing this face-to-face while being 1.5 metres apart. That's exactly right. It's a bit different, and actually, it seems a bit easier so far, 30 seconds in. <laughs> yeah, no, def- definitely. You get you don't get that weird second delay in uh, on Zoom, so... Yeah, um... Big day of sport today. Big day of sport. Um, Lance Buddy Franklin has gone down with another hamstring, but we're going to look into that a little bit later. But before that, I've got a question, Jake. Yep, sure. Cricket's got a tough choice ahead. Yep. Do you play the tournament, the tournament that generates more money first up, or do you play the tournament that generates more participation? Within countries. Within cricket as a whole, from the grassroots worldwide to... So, so you're talking about World Cup and then IPL, essentially, yes. yeah? Which one would you have on this year? Because the IPL is trying to take that end-of-year slot, well, personal... which the World Cup had previously had. Yeah, well, personally, you, you always want to see more players playing at the best at the best of times. So I know... In the IPL, you get all these players that stick around for a long time because they want to keep their careers going, and good on them for doing that. But I think the majority of the world and majority of cricket fans will want to see the World Cup go ahead, go ahead over the IPL. I think. Yeah, for sure, and I, I think some people have said, "Oh, the IPL, it's just it might be less international players going over, but you're still going to have international players all converging on one country." Yeah, yeah, that, so, that's true. Um, the one other thing that I think is really interesting about this is, from a p- player payment perspective, Paddy Cummings is going to earn $3 million to play in the IPL this year, which is significantly more per day ratio as he would um, if he would do it um, with Australia. And it might actually be more than he is Creed Australia contract anyway. So the point is, these players they don't do it they're potentially losing 60% of their income so what's the fairest thing to do given all that I think I look at most of the Australian players who are playing in the T20 side and I'm not I'm just going to put them all in a clump I think most of them would all rather play for their country earn less money but there could be a player overseas that goes oh I want that 2 million dollars that I was going to earn over the 50,000 or 100,000 I'd get to play in a World Cup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think you I think you're right there. There are obviously in the IPL there are bigger there's going to be bigger pay packets for a lot of a lot of Australian players, international players and things like that. And particularly when you look at the lower nations and I don't know his financial situation with his country and the IPL team but a player like Rashid Khan, he'd be on a huge pay packet in the IPL as one of the best T20 players. But because Afghanistan is still a very much emerging cricketing team, he's not going to have the big money paycheck there. No, so that yeah, that's that's very it true. Would, it might actually only be match fees. I don't know what it is, but I'm just speculating. He might only get a match fee. Yeah, I think you might find that some of the 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 minnow countries that are playing cricket would probably prefer to play in the, in an IPL. They're, they're, they're earning more money. So like guys like Rashid Khan are earning more money in the IPL. So you might find the Mino teams becoming a little bit weaker 
Yeah. For though, even though they've got, they've still got players playing in the World Cup. It might not be as strong a team as they can field, but they're not going to be doing well. And potentially, anyway, really. and potentially, those teams might only be playing essentially the way that this World Cup was structured. They had a tournament in Geelong and Hobart prior to where I, I can't remember the teams, but I know Sri Lanka was one. I have a feeling the West Indies were the other would play off with other minnows to get into the main World Cup draw. They sort of did a mini entry to the World Cup tournament just prior to the World Cup, which is a really good way to put these teams in on the big spotlight prior to the big spotlight. The other problem that cricket has is, if this World Cup doesn't happen this year, where does it go? Because there's a World Cup in India next year, and the problem is... Similar to the IPL. I think it's like 75 to 80%, potentially even more, of all money earned in cricket is made in India. So they're not going to want to take the pinnacle of cricket out of India. That is, that is yeah, that is true, because obviously the IPL is the most prestigious cricket tournament probably in the world. It's the, it, I think it generates more money than the uh, Major League Baseball. Well, and it's a shorter tournament. That's that's how much money is generated through the IPL. Yeah, and because and now, and now you're getting you got a few more teams in it now, and I think it would be it'd be, it'd be difficult for cricket to get rid of it altogether. I think it's got to happen in some some fashion, but I also I also think the World Cup has to go ahead as well this year. But maybe maybe the best thing to do is to reduce both. And have one before and one after. I don't know how that would work, but I think the the problem still... that you might run in there is the there's probably still going to be the fourteen day quarantine period, which is because mm. if they're off, so just say they do the IPL October or early November, they finish that. Every player gets on a plane once the IPL finishes, and then everyone has to sit doing nothing for fourteen days, potentially not even train then they might have a week of training and then the tournament begins. That's a lot of downtime for players and I know the argument's been said a few times the mental health of being locked up abroad might not be a good prospect, Um, particularly bearing in mind that they may have had to have done that to go into India as well before the IPL. So that's potentially one month in... one month in three months where you're not allowed to leave your, your... Hotel room. Yeah, so yeah, well, that, 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 is, that is a very good point. I don't think you can do both the IPL and World Cup this year. The issue is, do you do two World Cups next year? Do you push both back a year? So you do, or do you put the Australian one in 2022? Because I guess you could say, well, they we're doing two World Cups back to back now. Why can't you do it 2021, 2022? Because Australia deserves to host a T20 World Cup. They haven't hosted a T20 World Cup. It's been to South Africa. It's been to India. It's been to... I'm pretty sure it's been to Sri Lanka, Bangladesh. It's pretty much been everywhere bar us. And with the new new really restricted schedules that are coming out, it's potentially not able to be pushed back. Yeah, so I think think you might be right. A year where there's no upcoming tournament, they may may have to move it there. Like... If if they do think that the IPL is something that they really cannot move and they 
they're gonna, it's going to go ahead and it can't be moved. So I think $700 million tournament. Yeah, so I, it's, I, I would... It's hard to look at that money and go, we can't do that. You almost, for $700 million, have to do it. It's just, is it fair for a local cricket authority, which India is, to dictate that their tournament's more important over a World Cup? Is that okay? And and that's I guess that's what every cricket board has to look at. I think they're essentially saying that Indian cricket is is bigger than the world, which which some we, Indian fans would probably yeah. say that that there's there are there are a lot of fans in India, so I could see why they might do that, but they wouldn't they wouldn't want it looking that way. That and the last thing that the ICC would want to do is to actually remove a huge tournament with next year's World Cup out of India. Well, yeah, exactly right. And exactly the right. thing is, hey, Australia is not quite as cricket mad, but is, cricket said, probably the only genuine national sport in the country mm. that's played in every single state. Is it fair for them to now have to wait for a World Cup years down the track? I don't know if the next World Cup's already been decided for four years down the track in 2025 or whenever it's going to be. Is it fair for them to wait for that country then to host and then for it to come back to Australia? Because a lot of these players, like the Steve Smiths, David Warners, the Aaron Finches, they've been looking at this tournament for years as their opportunity to win a World Cup on their soil. And it's probably been a moment that both, all three, particularly those three, have been looking at as potential highlights of their careers to go up with Ashes wins, um, the World Cup in 2015 for the one-day Days. I'm not saying it's all about those players, but Australia's been building for this tournament for years. And if you look at recent tournament history, um, England won the one-day World Cup in England last year. Australia won the World Cup in Australia, in the one-day World Cup. You hosting the tournament gives you a huge advantage. I don't think Australia would be comfortable to say, you now have to wait for your turn. And that could be eight years down the track. That's probably not fair for Australia. Well, and, and when you put it All like, the fans who have been looking forward for this tournament for the last few years. The women had a beautiful tournament and, had, and it really captured the interest of the Australian sporting public well, with nearly yeah. 90,000 at the final. Yeah, well, when you, when you put it like that, it's... And, and you put, like, players in that, in that, in that spotlight. You've got the guys, guys like you mentioned, Smith, Warner and Finch... Then, if you're pushing it back to say, if you, if we push it back to 2022, they're they're two years older, and and, and, and everyone's two years older, and that's if they can find time in that year, or if it's even possible to push it back. Then, who who knows? Yeah, exactly right. So then, they could be missing that. They could be missing that tournament in the end if they can't actually reschedule the tournament for another time. And the other problem is Cricket Australia's cash strapped, so you can't say, oh, why don't we just do it get rid of the test summer and do the World Cup when the test matches are supposed to be. And the problem with that is Cricket Australia is going to generate incredibly more money from playing the four tests against India than a World Cup. Like, that's just the way that the dollars work. Well, yeah. And it's not fair because, on a Cricket Australia, because the test series against India is their biggest financial summer of the year and it sort of fun it sort of funds all the other summers so they need this summer more so than anyone well 100% cuz as as we mentioned before India's obviously 
the biggest cricketing country in the world and having them come down under, bring bring fans. There's, there's plenty of Indians here in Australia and yeah. they, they would get down to every game, which is why it is such a big it is such a big series, Australian India. It does, like you said, yeah. re- rejuvenate the uh, the money that comes in for, into cricket for Australia. So And the other thing is, um this test series it's been talked about that all four tests could be at the Adelaide Oval because there's a hotel that's sort of built into the ground so that they can quarantine there and then they can play their four tests and pretty much not leave the Adelaide Oval. There's I've heard a rumour today on um, SEM when Dean Jones was on and he's saying he's hearing a murmur and it's only a murmur at the moment that they could play three matches in Adelaide and then play Boxing Day at the MCG. Yeah, I, I don't know if I only I know it's only a murmur, but I don't know I don't know if I like the murmur at all. I don't. I I I prefer playing three at the Adelaide Oval and one at the G. Oh, I don't. 100%. I don't like if we have to play all of them at the Adelaide Oval to get the series in. Absolutely, you can play every game at the Adelaide Oval, but I'd like to see. Um, and this is the other dilemma cricket Australia's got, which of the five big states misses out on a test match here. There's only four tests. Like, does Melbourne or Sydney miss out? Does Brisbane? Like, I'd love to see Australia play India at the Gabba. I think the bouncy wicket, it would give Australia a huge advantage. But how are they, how's that, that all going to work out? And if they do play all their games at the Adelaide Oval, won't that mean that the Adelaide strikers won't be able to play their big bash? At the Adelaide Oval? Oh, well, yeah. And that's something that hasn't been thought about. Could they be on the road for the first half of the tournament and then play, what is it, eight games in a row at the Adelaide Oval and have a huge advantage in the back end of the year and lead up to finals? I don't know. With with the BBL, they tend to do that because I think they've done it in past years with, obviously... The Melbourne Stars at the start yeah. of the year, they always play. Yeah, but play. that's only missing. Yeah, but oh, that's the start. Of, that's that's yeah. the start of the season. Yeah, like they don't play a home game until the new year, yeah. and that's like two weeks into the season. So I guess all but, those fans would be saying, "Yeah, sure, Adelaide can do that for a couple of weeks. We've done it the last two years." Yeah, but yeah, it would just be a little bit more extreme that it could be. Yeah, no, yeah, six agreed. weeks. Yeah, definitely agreed. Um, but yeah, a lot of interest. I think we spoke about cricket there for a while, but we didn't actually come up with a solution. I yep. think, I think we all want to see the World Cup to run, um, but the IPL sort of penciled in the tournament about. I think it's either two weeks before, or two weeks after the World Cup. It's, it's a bit hard to fit in if the World Cup did get pushed. Can't it can't really be pushed back this year, and still get the IPL in, and the Test series in, which is critically important. Uh, for a number of things, because the. Uh, Initial World Championship is supposed to be at Lords in the middle of the next year, and you could probably almost, at the moment, pencil it in to be Australian India playing at Lords, middle of the next year for the Test Championship. Whether that now gets pushed back a year, like everything else, I don't know because um, it's it's very complicated. It's sort of Tim Payne sort of indicated that's the last thing he sort of wants to do in his career is to win the Test Championship. Hopefully he stays on for one more home Ashes series as captain just to really cement himself as one of Australia's greatest ever test captains. Yeah. Which is that who who thought we would have said that two years ago, but 
Yeah, he's, no. He's done a, a faultless job as captain. Oh, except for the review in um, uh, Headingley, was it? Yeah, Headingley? I think it might have been. Yeah, I think it might have been Headingley. They used it at the wrong point. But yeah, but apart from that, he's been perfect. Yeah. So, question. I'm gonna make you. I'm gonna make you pick right now. Okay. I'm gonna make you pick right now. You've got the IPL and you've got the World Cup. What What is gonna happen? You got you. This is your guess. What do you What do you, What do you think is gonna happen? Uh, the IPL will happen. The With IPL will happen. The, it's too much money to say it can't happen. And India have typically in the history on issues have got gotten their way. I don't see them not getting their way. It's just about then how will they reschedule the World Cups because Australia still definitely deserves to host a World Cup. We've got arguably the best cricket grounds in the world with the G- the MCG, the SCG, Adelaide Oval, Optus Stadium and uh, the Gabba. These stadiums deserve to have a World Cup and Australia has pretty much been the last country in the world to get a T20 World Cup that these players and supporters need to be rewarded by getting to see the world's best play in Australia. Whether that's in 2021 and they push the 2021 World Cup back or they do it in 2022, I don't know. There needs to be a lot of discussion with it. And obviously, I think the AFL's planning to have... I think looking at the way that they've done it is they're planning to have the MCG on October 24 for the, the grand final which was initially when there was supposed to be a World Cup on. So the AFL are planning for no World Cup. So there's so many things going on. If the World Cup does happen, the AFL will have to move the grand final because their booking was in first and whatnot. But it's just tough. It's, it's very complicated. What do you think will happen? Personally, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think the the IPL is, is a huge, huge competition. And I'd... I just feel that with the the money that gets generated generated through that through that competition, I just don't. I think it's too much to pass up, and I think players will think. I think some players will think that. I think some players players will think that as well. If just a question, another question without notice. If you were a player and you had to pick between playing in a World Cup and earning still good money, but not as much, or going to India and been in the IPL and earning potentially quadruple the money, what would you do? Well, well, for me, I think growing up, all I reckon all boys, when they're playing cricket in the backyard, they say, all I want to do is play test cricket for Australia. Yeah. And I want to play one day cricket. I want to play, I want to play for Australia. Yeah. I feel like if I, I'd be the exact same. I would want to play for Australia. I, yeah, I'd want I want to play for my country. I think with Australia, the culture is definitely very much country first and then money, um, IPL and money second. 100%. But would it, would, another question, follow up question, would the, if Australia, say Australia had a full strength World Cup and your Indias, your Englands, your South Africas all had players missing from the IPL, would people have an asterisk against that World Cup? I don't think they'd have, I don't think they'd have an asterisk, but I feel like that they would know and the other teams would know that yeah, it wasn't a full-strength World Cup. They still got the win, but everyone will know that it wasn't a full-strength World Cup. So, yeah, I, I guess a little asterisk may be put on it, but, like, not literally put on yeah. it, like, if you know what I mean. So, I think 
they they would they would understand that it's not going to be as big a tournament if they went on at the same if if your um I I don't I don't think you could do the world's best split over two tournaments. I think that is a disastrous and worst case. It would be better to not actually have one of them if that was the case. Yeah, you got to do the one, worst case. You got to do one or the other, and and by the sounds of it, we both think that the IPL will definitely take go ahead. But I don't think I still think World Cup should always take precedent, no matter what. Oh, the for sport. sure, I, I agree Cup with that as well. Is pretty much the pinnacle in all sports. There's a couple where it might be the Olympics, for example, basketball. I think. All people view the Olympics as the international pinnacle of basketball, not the World Cup. But for generally, the World Cup's the number one sport. Basketball's just one exception. Moving on, footy is coming up at lightning speed. And there's been, as I said earlier, big story today. Lance Franklin has done a hamstring. Uh, we don't yet know the severity, but it does... It, you just have the sense that it doesn't look good when you see that headline. No, especially with especially with a player that's that's had these types of injuries before, and and I I know it is a hamstring, and I I feel he's had plenty of those in the past, and I feel if if it's just reoccurring, 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 you're not going to get him fully fit. I don't think again in his career. I think he'll be a few weeks on and a few weeks off. For the rest of his career, and I hope I, I do hope I do hope he does get back on the park because it'll be great to see someone kick a thousand goals again. Yeah, because I think we missed out missed out on that with Matthew Lloyd. I feel like a lot of people would have thought that he was going to get there, and and he didn't. And it's, and I don't think it's going to be something we see for a while. So, and Robert Murphy made a good point: is that when you're over thirty, it's so much easier to stay fit, but once you get an injury or you miss a session, it's so much harder to catch up. And that's just going to be the disadvantage that Buddy's got. He's obviously had that huge layoff period. Probably couldn't have come at a worse time. But the other problem is his contract. Everyone sort of said he had a nine-year... Was it seven or nine years? I'm pretty sure it was a nine-year deal. Nine years? Yeah, nine years. The thing is, it was a heavily back-ended deal. So he's getting the majority of his money this year and next year. I think this year he was rumoured or believed to be on about one5 next year 1.5 million and in his final year in 2022 it was about a million a year that's a huge if, if he does have to retire now that is a huge burden for the Sydney footy club to live with for the next two years I think it was always a risk with this deal and many people questioned that throughout that time but it's it's a huge burden now that it's starting to potentially look real and, and I think we are coming up to obviously the end of his career and I don't think he'll I don't think he'll play out that last year I don't think he'll see that last year I think if Sydney went up if he played eight years and they went oh we've lost a million dollars in the salary cap this year I don't they would have gone we got eight years of buddy I think I think they would it's more it's more if he retires now and they miss and they've got the they've got the four million dollars of buddy that they're paying him not to play a game I'd, I'd almost say even if he retired at the end of this year, I still think they're going to come be happy paying him two and a half million dollars over two years not to play. Yeah, I, it's just if he retires now, I think it it could be bad for Sydney. It is a lot of it is a lot of money lost in in the salary cap when you think about it that way, and and the, the development and the money that they could use to sign other players is going to someone who can't actually play or has retired yeah it's 
and people questioned it and people did say at the time as if this situation did eventuate would there be any loosening of restrictions for Sydney and it was a very clear no and it would be horrible if the AFL now that we get to the situation it being real go actually we'll, we'll let you pay that out of the soft cap I think financially given the state of the AFL right now that is the last thing that will be happen but it would be horrible if the AFL changed their tone on it yeah yeah I think you're right with that I don't I, there's not much else to say on that point I think I, I, th- I, I think I, I would genuinely say there would be people rioting outside AFL house if they changed their tone on that Oh, yeah. There would be huge uproar. Um, but it, it's, it's it's tough. He's We both had him in our top three best players since 1990. Um, his goal running down on the, um, the wing against Essendon, to me, the goal, goal that sticks out. Um, it's a shame that he and Sydney didn't win a flag. Yeah, I've always... Yeah, they, they did fall a bit short, funnily enough, to Hawthorne and... They ran into that Bulldogs team that everyone was losing to. And I, I think he'll feel a little bit empty if he doesn't... I don't think he is going to go out with a premiership at all with Sydney. So I think... He's still a two-time premiership player, multiple Coleman medalist, multiple All-Australian and All-Australian captain. He's still got a pretty good CV. Oh, the CV's there. But I think just a little bit, little bit in a there. A little bit empty. And I think if you look at it from the Sydney's perspective... I think it's been money well spent. If you look at it from a pure marketing perspective, it's still been a successful seven years. Even even from a, from a marketing perspective, I think paying him for the next... Even if he retires today and doesn't play another game and they have to pay that $4 million, from a marketing perspective, I think they're fine. Sydney are fine. It's just the loss in the, the salary cap that's going to hurt. Yeah. And I completely agree. I I, I wouldn't think as a marketing an exercise, it's probably been one of the best marketing exercises in the AFL. But from a potentially losing all that money in the salary cap, it's a disaster. Yeah. And just just gonna question once again without notice. Would this make um, Sydney more reluctant to go after Joe Danaher at the end of this year? Well, yeah, that's a good point. Obviously, they went heavily after him at the end of at the end of last season. If I if if I was Joe and I really wanted to leave, I would say, like, not have such a large large contract at at the front end, but more back end back end a deal for or Joe more, Danaher. Or more a contract with performance bonuses, where you're on a base contract if you don't. So if he doesn't play. They're just paying average wage, but if he plays twenty, uh, each game he gets, he gets a bonus and each goal or whatever, and pay him that way for performance or participate or participating essentially might be a better way for Joe to go about it. But there's still a lot to play out with that. Um, yeah, and it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a giant deal either for Joe. It doesn't have it, it could just be a two year deal. Let's see if they can get the body right and him on the park, and then go from there. Yep. I, I completely agree. And I, I think that's I think that's what I think that's what he'll do. I think he will go to Sydney, but I'd like to see I'd I'd like to see what numbers he's actually gonna earn. And it might be also just the case of sorry, got my words mixed up. I think at his best he is at the moment the best full forward in the game. 
That's what I was trying to say. I was just heads a bit mushy today. I don't think I'd go that far. Uh, he's uh, he's good, but I'd, he he's he's a, he's a top five forward in the game for sure. Yeah. Um, now I've been saying it all year, and I've been I think the coronavirus has helped Melbourne in one way. It's punished us in multiple others, but I, as a Melbourne supporter, I am getting even more excited as the weeks um, go through about Harley Bennell playing for Melbourne. Um, from all reports coming out of Melbourne and a few people that saw yesterday's training session, they say it was very difficult, but Harley Bennell shone. He's a, if, if he can play 15 of the 17 in-season games, or... 14, so four, missed two games from here on to finals. I'd say Melbourne play finals if Harley Bennell plays 14 games from now on. Um, he's a superb talent. I remember a game that he played against Melbourne and Gary Ablett had an absolute field day and Harley Bennell had a slightly better one. What do you think? Do you think Do you think Harley Bennell is one of Melbourne's big keys in the season? Well, I... Uh- I know I've heard you talk about him quite a bit in this in this uh, <laughs> in this in this podcast, and obviously he featured uh, he featured a bit in the um, Demon documentary to Helen Back, and they were talking about him there, and I think they're they're really high on him, and from all reports out of Melbourne and what I've heard from you, he is he's going he's going well and and looking to play in that round two game. The other word out of Melbourne from that training session as well as Christian Petrarca, also shone. So he had a superb round one in a losing team, but he's definitely... There's a few promising signs for Melbourne. I think they've been a bit unlucky with the fixturing. Um, they've only got one officially classed as home game in the first five games, and they actually don't play at the MCG until round three. So their first game was at Optus. They now play at Marvel against Carlton, and then I think they're at the G either against Geelong or es- uh, Essendon. I can't remember which order that goes in, but um, really interesting. As a Geelong supporter, I'm sure you're thrilled that every single home game that Geelong will play this year is at Cardinia Park. Yeah, I, I I am very very excited. Obviously, though, I can't go as as none of us can. But I'm very happy. As uh, I, I was looking at a video earlier this week when they were releasing the fixture and the I can't remember his name. I think he's, when he was uh, reading out the fixtures and things like that and answering questions, and he made he made fact that Geelong consistently asks every year if they can play every home game at GMHBA Stadium instead of sort of halving it with halving it with the MCG but what obviously I, obviously that can't obviously that can't happen because of the the bigger clubs and the revenue that would generate from having two big clubs play at the MCG what I do hope the AFL does with the fixture is given that this is a essentially a one-off situation Geelong plays at Collingwoods the Richmonds the Carlton's the Essendon's all those the big big clubs all down in Geelong yeah I would love to I would so, love to see it so, so if Geelong have to travel up to Melbourne to play your, your smaller clubs, your St Kilda's, your Melbourne's, your North Melbourne's, the ones that typically go down to Geelong to play them, because they're the small Victorian clubs that can play in Geelong and it's not a hassle. It, it would be also fair for those teams to play Geelong in, in Melbourne for a change, just to even it up, because they go to Geelong pretty much every year. 
And yeah. that's, that's pretty much a lot. Like, you look at the 22 fixture and you go, North Melbourne, Geelong, in Geelong, loss to North Melbourne, or Melbourne, or St Kilda. It's, it's probably fair that they also see the other end of the stick. Yeah, definitely. I, I think you're right, and I think, I think that's what they will do when releasing the fixture by, by block. I think they will, they will have the Collingwoods and the Richmonds playing playing in Geelong because because of the no crowd I think and I think it'll be I think it'll be great to, to finally see those teams play down in Geelong if they can if they can find it after not playing there for so and many I, years I think the Geelong marketing and media department did a beautiful job on Twitter and Facebook of actually doing a, a caption that was something along the lines of hey there's a few big big clubs that haven't um, don't know the route down to Geelong and got a Google Maps insert before I forget another big name Melbourne club Hawthorne they need to play in Geelong that that seeing Hawthorne play in Geelong is is a neutral supporter something I actually can't wait to see well it's going to be round two I'm actually more excited that over Collingwood Richmond which is a very tantalising game on the fixture yeah I'm looking forward to that June 12 game against on, Hawthorne for on sure on the topic of Geelong Jack Stevens yeah, I, I think I just need to say the name, and you know the question. Well, yeah, I, I do know the question, and obviously, there was there was a bit of an issue. He he, he was down in down in um, down in Melbourne in Brighton, and he got a got a stab wound to the chest, just to put it just to put it bluntly. And we obviously he hasn't been open to talking about what happened that night and why he ended up in hospital for a few days, and I don't think anything's been revealed. As of yet, so I'd be interested to see what what actually happens now. Good thing is is that uh, Jack was back at training this that was great this, to week. See this week. Yeah, even even Bar was may have been just walking laps with with a couple of the trainers, but he he was back in back and smiling down at the club. So hopefully, I really enjoy I really enjoyed watching Jack in the preseason and and during trainings. He's looked really good, and I'm I'm hoping even though it's been a rough pass that he can really find find the right way and and have a good season for Geelong albeit in this weird weird upcoming season but I think if he can play his best footy his best footy is fantastic yeah and some late breaking news as we uh, record this podcast it actually came in mid podcast that Steve Hocken has revealed that they're going to consider adding to the interchange this year so there might be more than four people on the bench Probably only five or six. Teams won't know until a couple of days before round two. What's what? What are you? What are your thoughts on it? Personally, I I, I don't mind it purely because of the fact that you can't have anyone else. No other players can be waiting standby. Yeah. There can there, There's only going to be the playing twenty two or twenty three players. You can't have emergencies sitting there waiting if someone get gets yeah. injured in the warm up. So having those extra two players or one player may work because then you still have your four or and five on the bench. And it also allows you to have essentially a larger squad playing because they're not able to go to the state leagues. Essentially, if you're not in the team in round two, it's going to be very hard to get in. And remember, most of these players on the Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon or whenever the game is, when they're not playing, we'll have to do a pretty crap time running laps to actually just get the simulation into their body. I remember when we used to have the sub vests, um, whoever came on in that fourth quarter as that refreshed player, 
would say the worst bit was after the game, you'd have to essentially run the quantities of a game of footy afterwards. That's what every play on those lists, it's not in the best 22 or 23 or 24, whatever it may be. It's gonna to have to do. It's not gonna be fun. Yeah, you're gonna have fifteen. You're gonna have fifteen guys running, running around that extra, extra bit to. And it's gonna be to really hard to motivate them and to ha- and perhaps have an extra couple of spots on the list for them to have a bit more of a lure to think. Oh, I might be the twenty sixth or twenty seventh best player on the list. If I keep doing these standards, and there's an injury or someone has a bad game, at least there's a chance that I'm gonna be called upon. It, it's just a little bit more light at the end of the tunnel for players who can't play. It's I think they need to do something there. I don't know what they need to do to get games into the players who aren't playing, but it's going to be tough. Yeah, and you're right. It is going to be hard for those guys who aren't currently in the team to get to earn earn a spot, unless barring injury, obviously, or suspension. So uh, the teams that come out in round two are going to be pretty. I think they're, there's not going to be a lot of ins and outs for the, the two, two, three weeks after because of of what of what the current situation is. They they just don't have. I think it's going to be purely matchup related that they might need to change the team. I think yeah. teams will look at that a little bit more rather than who's playing well, who's and not the, playing and well, and then risk the fact that oh, these people have historically had a great matchup in our favour. Let's bring him in. He might even still be a little bit rusty due to a lack of game time, but it might still be the best. It's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. It's also it's gonna be a difficult job being on the selection committee. Oh, oh I couldn't have, couldn't agree more. I think the the, the issues that they're gonna a lot of that every team's gonna have in selection is gonna be quite difficult. And actually, something I'm kind of looking forward to to see what they actually do about it. And there might be a player who's like the thirty fifth best player on the list very good and when he comes in and plays he performs quite well but he might not get that opportunity and when lists shorten at the end of the year he might not get a game this year because he's just not got the opportunity to show him his craft he might be at risk of delist- delisting when they shorten the list next year it's it's going to be a horrible time to be a coach and looking into those deeper career sections the other thing is Grand final. We spoke briefly about it last year. You were very keen and be a bit traditional and keep it in the uh, the daytime. I'm sort of open to the night. Personally, I would love to see a nighttime grand final. Full stop. I think it looks better. But I understand the traditional point of view. It was re- revealed in the Herald Sun earlier today that um, Channel 7's preference is for it to be a night game because they've also got the Cox Plate on the same day and they would rather they it's their preference to do that 12 till 6 and then go into the footy channel 7 haven't come out publicly and said it it's just what they're hearing in the media are you up what 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 are your thoughts it's 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 tough it's a it's a tough position to be in because obviously we haven't been in this in this position at all before i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna go with what what i what i said i i as I said earlier on the previous podcast, I, 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 traditional I like, but can understand that a nighttime grand final might be beneficial with all the all the racing that's going on, and they might need just to fit it into the weekend. Of... And that's still going to be a long weekend because you're still going to have the uh, grand final eve public holiday. If that's what you want to call it. You then have Mooney um, racing at Mooney Valley. 
in the day on Saturday and then grand final Saturday night. It's 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 a it's a great weekend of sport. The only issue I have is the AFL need to actually and I think they are going to do this, is say, This is the Cox Plates Day. We've adapted our season because of the pandemic, we've pushed it back. Without doubt Cox Plate should get first preference on what happens and it would be a good it would be good to give the broadcasters something that they want. They're going to be renegotiating the money in there because of games lost and whatnot. It would be, I think, a good gesture and a good sign of goodwill for the AFL to go, Channel 7, we, we respect that you want the nighttime grand final. Let's give it a shot this year. It could be brilliant and we'll never go back. It could be, yeah, let's let's do one genuine nighttime grand final with crowds and when everything's back to normal to actually confirm it or we might go let's go back to a day grand final it's worked better it's worked yeah. better yeah we're not going to find out if it's going to work if we don't try and every year we have this conversation it's sort of you know I would have said this six months ago let's just try the nighttime grand final and see how it goes no harm is going to no one's going to be upset if we try something go ah it didn't work and move on yeah, I think it's just the fact that it it hasn't it hasn't been done before, which is why a lot of people are a bit sceptical. I think that's why it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, and you look at it, the NFL have done a nighttime final, grand final Super Bowl. That's the word I was trying to think of for like recently, and it looks so good. Yeah, well, Super Bowl is is another spec another spectacle yeah. in itself. So, I think it, they've found something that's worked for them, and we've found something that's worked for us. Yeah, but I think the other option is, do you do it on Friday? If, if the Friday's the public holiday, why don't we do a daytime Friday afternoon game or a Sunday afternoon game? Does it have to be there? I, I know that I know the, the footy fan and the non-racing fan would say, I just do the racing on the Saturday or the Sunday. I think people need to remember, this is the day in the calendar that it's, it's the biggest day for this racing club. Um, they, they get priority. I think that's a fair assumption. That's Martin Kula, um, the sports minister. I think I'm mispronouncing that. Has also said it's their day. It's our preference. Obviously, they've got no control over it, but it's their preference. It's it's tough. They might as well try something, but it's it's going to take time to see what happens. And who knows? The AFL Grand Final might get pushed back again because we might have to do another lockdown period or something. Yeah, I think I think I think we'll find that, and and we'll obviously know no more towards the end of the year. But I think that's just about time on the Under Pressure podcast for this week. Obviously, we've got our social medias on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So go and follow and share and share them to all your friends and family and other people that you you may know. So once again, on behalf of Matt and I, thanks for joining us on the Under Pressure podcast, and we'll see you on the next. <laughs>